those of you listening in for the first time or are new to the She Sells 2 network, we are Jenny and Ellen and we started She Sells 2 to empower women in sales. In this cross-Atlantic podcast with Ellen in Dublin and Jenny in Toronto, we're looking to empower women out there in sales to be their absolute best. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories, tips and tricks, best practices, and the learnings we're getting along the way. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first She Sells 2 episode of 2021. Uh, in this episode, we're actually all of us. So I'm sitting here in my apartment in Dublin, and then we have Elle and Jen Lee joining me as well. So good seeing you girls. And it's so exciting. This is actually the first time we're recording an episode together now since like six, seven months back, I think. Yeah. Is this like the second episode we're doing together ever? I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, and it's so good to be here. And as it is the first episode of the year, we thought that we're going to do a bit of a 2020 look back, you know, discussing what we've learned, what we're going to bring with us from 2020 into the new year, and then also do a bit of a look ahead. What are we expecting for 2021? What are our goals and what are we going to get up to? So very exciting. But first of all, girls, quick roundtable. Like, how are we all doing now in this lockdown 2.0 or even 3.0? I feel like this time around, I'm definitely more prepared Like we've been through three of them now, but there's part of me that's actually looking forward to this one because I feel like it's going to be our last and then hopefully all vaccinated within the next couple of months. I feel almost the opposite of where I'm like, I think I had way too much hope going into this year. And I was saying to Ellen before that I was just, I don't think that I was, and we've been, we're nine days in as well. So like, that's how naive I was, but it's more the fact that I actually thought for some reason back of my head, I was just like, it's going to be different. Like this year, it's going to feel a little bit different. And when waking up like after a week and I was kind of thinking, uh, it just feels the same. Like, where is this vaccine? Like, when is this ending? I think that I kind of like lost a little bit of hope there at the same time as it feels like we can see the finish line. So I'm like getting excited. I don't want to be obviously want all that hope to go away, but it's still, yeah, I'm, I've been like, it's been a tougher week than I thought it was going to be for sure. It's crazy how we're all coping with it differently. And maybe I'm saying it because I've been in Sweden most of the time and now during the winter where it hasn't been as bad, but I just got back to Dublin less than a week ago. And now it feels like I'm so ready for what a lockdown is. Like I've been ordering a lot of groceries. I've been filling up my pantry with my favorite stuff. I've been, you know, already prepping for painting tonight. So now it feels like I'm ready for a lockdown. I know what it is. It's just going to be a chance for me to get back into my habits and routines again. But girls, if we kind of like start to look back at 2020, it's been a crazy year and it's been a lot of working from home. And I think that's probably what's shaped us the most. So if we look at the work from home situation of 2020, how do you think that has actually changed your view on employment and workplaces? Like if you would ever apply for a new job, what is the thing that you would look for that you never had thought of before? I think one of the things that I really, I think a lot of things in the future is going to be a lot to do with working from home anyways. I think it feels like we shouldn't expect to go back to a normal workplace almost ever, especially when you work in our industry. So for me, looking at it that way, I think support and in general, just like trust from from management and like even top leadership. And just in terms of, for example, at Slack, we got like emergency time off, like we got like certain days for just taking out for like mental health. And we got like, 
my managers never expressed anything else than like full support if like people want to take a week off, a day off, like whatever it is, just because we're going through something like this. And I think just working from home in general, I do see why like a lot of people or companies struggle before trusting their employees to actually work from home versus in this case when they had to go through it and it was kind of something that was forced upon them. Now they see that they're actually productive, like people actually stick to what they said they would. They meet deadlines, they hit their sales targets. Like, I think that's going to be like just when I'm looking for for somewhere to work in the future or like it basically be like if you're working remote, I just want support from from management and leadership, basically. It's funny that you say that it's definitely something I'd echo. So for myself, I started obviously a job during a pandemic and I was asking my employer questions that I never would have asked before, like, how do you encourage inclusion between both remote remote employees and those that work full time? Like, is it okay for me to put up my hand and say that I feel stressed? Is there going to be supports in place? And I never would have asked those types of questions before. But funny enough, similar to yourself, Jenny, what I found is my manager was actually telling me, you know, well, it's been three months and you haven't taken a day off. I really encourage you to take that day off. And it's something that we never had before. So what I love is that I feel like companies have really taken a leap of faith and they trust their employees working from home. And it's now the opposite. Instead of us asking for time off, they're like telling us to take time off. Yeah, I think that really has been a big shift that the and that the health of the employees and the mental health especially has been such a big focus now during 2020. I would even have it that my manager is asking me several times per week, you know, how are you doing? Um, have you had any headaches? Are you taking the time to relax? And now I feel it's okay to say that, okay, I've had too much screen time. My head is really tired. I need to take the afternoon off. And then that that is okay. They're asking me if they need to cover for anything. Do I need anything? And I don't think I would have been comfortable in the office to just say, hey, I have had too much screen time. I'm going to go home now. That wouldn't have worked. But now it feels like a normal thing to do. And I think one thing, like to piggyback on that as well, is, is that you can't emphasize enough how, how much I've been affected by like how senior leadership, like people that I've never in a daily or weekly or like ever um, in contact with, but like how they express or how they communicate that it's okay to take time off. Like it's, we had just earlier this week, we had uh, our a VP of, of customer success. She basically wrote and completely opened up in a channel about that she's had like all these pressures throughout COVID. Like she was looking to to do certain things that she didn't manage to achieve. And then she kind of put herself down for it. And she was just telling everyone like, it's okay, like take a day off. Like it's okay to do this, this, this. And I think even though you're not sitting having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone who tells you to do that, just the message being out there and telling you that it is okay have been something that I've like been really impressed with and something I think should always be emphasized. And what I think is interesting as well is how what we do with our days off has shifted. Before, I guess, especially here in Dublin, you would work half a day and then you would take the afternoon off. You would fly somewhere and you would squeeze so much into your days off and you would barely take a day off if you didn't know it would be worth it. You would do anything to not take a day off and still you know, work from the airport or whatever. Meanwhile, now it feels okay to take a day off to just go for groceries or do a bit of yoga and paint at home or you know just do nothing it, like it feels like we valued the time off for just being calm and not go all crazy about 
that's something I'd actually love to see implemented. Like I think especially in Dublin, it's like, you know, you get your 21 to 23 days off for annual leave and that's it. So like Alan said, you're trying to go on holidays, you know, jam pack it with stuff. When in actual fact, I feel like it would be much better for both the employers and the employees if we just had unlimited holidays to just obviously go and take your holidays, but take days that it's just like an admin day, it's me day. So that's something that I'd love to see in the future that there's none of this time constraints. There's no, no pressure when it comes to annual leave. You just, you do what you need to do because realistically you're going to get the work done. You know, if you're a hard worker and I'm sure, you know, if everyone's employed because of that. So I'd love to see that in the future. And looking at those me days for you girls, if you feel that you need a day to recharge and just take a day for yourself, what are the main things that you do with that day? So funny enough, my day actually still starts super early. I'm just definitely not one to lie in. But what I do is I'd wake up, wouldn't have any alarm set, which is such a treat. Get up, like go for a run, maybe journal for the rest of the day or just relax and not really get up too much. Fill my day with lots of food and just reading my book. I feel it's simple, but there's nothing that recharges me more. Yeah, one thing that I actually come to terms with during the pandemic has been that when I have a day off, I don't want, I'm almost allergic to having plans on that day. It could even be as simple as I need to do this at three o'clock, like I need to do washing or whatever it could be. I'm just like, no, this is my day. Like I want to relax. I'm assuming that that is just like a side effect of that. Like we have so many things, like we wake up and our schedule is there and it's, you know, this starts here, this starts here and then you have to be on this call, then this call and everything. Like I feel like my life because it's, you're never outside your bubble anymore. So if I have things scheduled on a day off, I get like immediate like reactions to that and being like, oh, am I sure I want to do this? So I always have to question things that I book on my days off. But that's really good though. It shows that you are very careful about your time and that you want to make it okay to not be too productive. You want to make it okay to just do whatever feels right for you in the moment. I've always been the opposite sometimes. Like when I'm off, I want to do a lot of things. Those things could be yoga or painting or just taking it easy. But I get so many ideas in my head of what I want to do with that day off. So I start instead to write them all down and not as a to-do list, but just as a way to like remember what I want to do so that I don't go around thinking about what I want to do all the time and get stressed about all my different ideas. So even on my days off, I write down all the ideas, but I take them away as not a to-do list, but more of an inspiration list. Yeah, I get that. Like I, I think I've had like throughout the pandemic as well, I've had these faces that I get very inspired, as you just said, like, I want to do this. I want to start that. I want to start a course here. I want to start this training session or, and then I go into like phases like that. So I'm assuming I'm just in a phase where it's like, I don't want anything planned versus then I go into the next phase where it's like, I want everything planned. I want like to do these and these things and achieve these things. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. Cause I think I've had both of those throughout the last year. Yeah, I think phases summarize my 2020 very much. I've been in all the different phases you can imagine, like everything from Netflix, I don't want to leave my bed, to running around being productive all day long, to only doing workouts, to only cook. Like phases is just how I've survived 2020. What are your biggest learnings from the year? I think for myself, it has been to not stress about things that I that I can't affect. So as you girls know, like 
there's a specific situation with like visas in Canada and like there's also specific situations with like being able to uh yeah for for my part go home and like things that I can't affect and instead of letting that like kind of decide my mood or because I can't do anything to change it I think like I've tried to apply that and like that kind of think about today what can you do today to feel better uh has really been like my biggest learning because normally I would honestly plan things like two years ahead I'd be like this is going to happen in two years and this is my path there. This is what needs to happen on that path. Like this is my career. This is my family. This is private, this is friends. Like I have all these blocks and I want them to go aligned. And there's like this one road. And I think I learned this year that there is like no such road. And like, there is just, there is no goal in the end of it. It's just like, you have to think about the now. And I was, I can look back now and say I was terrible at that before. Now I've like had to be good at it. And then, that's like something I actually really appreciate from 2020. I think 2020 was a knife in the heart to anyone that liked having plans for their lives. Just have to say that one. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's funny that you say that as both you girls know, I had plans like at the start of the year to, you know, move to Canada, travel to the Philippines. And I think we're all definitely planners. But what I learned is that Throughout my whole life, I always say, oh, I'm gonna be happy when I get this promotion. I'm gonna be happy when I move away. I'm gonna be happy when I achieve X. And I think what I learned is all of that is completely out of my control. So I just try to take a step back and just say, you know, look at everything that you've achieved. Let's just be happy that you're happy and healthy today, that you have a job, you know? And even when I wasn't working and I was searching for a job, it was so stressful, but I had to keep consciously checking in with myself to say, look, you've achieved loads, everything's going to work out. Enjoy not being employed for a while because you're going to be employed until you're like 60, 65. So just enjoy this moment for what it is. So that's definitely a learning that I want to take from 2020, just beyond, just be happy with the present and the simple things. And I would say that's probably one of my big learnings as well, the, like the importance of being present and just enjoying the moment and for me um, I'm very stuck in my head all the time so sometimes in a moment and I'm thinking about that I'm enjoying it but a learning for me is that you need to feel it too and be more you know in the moment with both your head and your body and make sure that you're feeling the moment um, so that you're actually there and enjoying it but I think that's a learning for me that it's good to be mindful and being the present but it's not something that I'm mastering yet it's a big goal for me in 2021 to actually learn how to be present in everything I'm doing. And I even spoke in, about that in the last episode with Vincent, my manager, that if you are more present in your everyday life, that's kind of how you can figure out what your next career step is, for example, because you, you actually figure out what it is that you enjoy in your everyday work. And then you figure out a way to make that happen more often in your career. So I think that's also something that I want to do in 2021. I want to get more mindful about what it is that I'm enjoying my in my career and in identifying the tasks that I really like so that I can decide my next career step. Because at the moment, you know, when people are asking me like, oh, what's next? I have no clue. And I'm almost a bit ashamed of that, which, which is sad, but I'm really enjoying my job, but I want to start figuring out what the next steps are as well so I can start working towards that. Yeah, and I, I think I will actually like, I will probably need some help figuring that out in terms of how to be present and being just like calm and happy in the present. And because I don't know if we've spoken about this before, but when we were in Dublin and we all went through like the women in leadership program and there was a, I think he's a psychologist. Uh, he was like a professional psychologist and his name is Ray. 
And he, I, I went to four or five sessions and honestly, I can say, and I think it's really hard from what I heard from other friends. He's the only one that I've gone to, but he really just opened my mind to like all these different ways of thinking. And I was, and Ellen knows this, I was someone who was like pretty highly critical towards going like, not, not that others did it, just that I probably didn't need to, you know? And I think that's the most common way of looking at it as well. But I, after going to him, I'm like gonna redo that again. I'm gonna like start having sessions with him throughout 2021. Uh, unfortunately, they're gonna be virtual, but at the same time, it's way better than nothing. And I think just allowing yourself to, to start talking to someone if like you need a hand getting there, whatever it could be. Because yeah, I think that's definitely gonna help me just get there and understanding what like, and learn more about myself and how I, how, what I enjoy doing in the present as well. And I think it's so important to actually go to someone that make you understand your thinking. So I think we all have so many answers within us, but we need someone that can help us get them out and make us see our answers from different perspectives too. I really like that idea. And the guy, Ray, that you're talking about, I saw him personally for, for quite some time as well. And one actually thing that I think that's come out of the pandemic that is quite good is that the idea of talking to people, expressing your emotions, going to therapy, it used to be such a taboo subject and people would kind of shy away. They didn't want to talk about it, but now it's just so normal. It's so accepted. And when you say you're talking to someone, generally people ask, how are you doing? But something I've started to do, um, and I was actually listening to a podcast with Matthew McConaughey, the actor, and he was talking about how he started journaling and just writing everything down. So I was doing some more research on this and I saw that we have like 2,500 thoughts an hour, which is just crazy. And more often than not, these are just passing thoughts and they don't stick. But more often than not, we might get a thought that is kind of reoccurring and that could be, that could make you feel good, but it could also be kind of like an anxious thought. So what I do is I write all of these down and I feel like it's really good at helping you become more present because these thoughts then don't build up. You're journaling them down, you get it down on paper and kind of work it out in your head. And I just think that's something that I've only started it in December, but moving into 2021, I just want to have all of these thoughts down and it really helps me now, but into the future when I'm like 80, I think it's going to be so good to look back on the journal entries I have. They're probably going to crack me up about what needs to stress me out. But um, yeah, I definitely think it's something I'd strongly recommend to anyone. But that's so good. And especially as they say, like, it's difficult for our brains to separate between what's true and what's not when we have our different thoughts. And imagine having all of these different negative thoughts that just like circling around your head and your head can't tell whether it is true or not. You're going to go around with so many different truths that are negative that it might just be false thoughts that your mind made up. So I think that's really good to kind of get them out there. And once you have them on paper, you can probably, you know, bust them up and be like, how could I think that that was true ever? Like, that's just something that my head built up. And I think the journaling part is something that really interests me. And I want to dig a little bit deeper there because it's actually we had this we had this like before the year was over meeting or celebration with our entire team. And I think it was five or six people that said like they're new year's resolution would be to start journaling so it must be something that definitely come came out of this because i don't think that that would have been the same uh, if the pandemic wasn't going on but i'm curious like would you l write down things throughout the day and do you write them by hand or do you keep them on your like a laptop sure so i actually write them down by hand um and i was only talking to my friend about it this morning like if someone else was to read my diary 
I may stop like half sentence because something I get distracted, I need to go back to work. And then I won't feel the need to go and finish off that sentence. I'll just go back and write my next thought, which I think is so important to journaling because I used to journal over the past eight years, but I'd always stop because I feel the need to fill it out and would just become a chore. But what I think is so important is that you just write down what's in your mind. You might not even finish the paragraph, the sentence, it might make no sense. And then you just leave it and then you just write down your other thought. And I think that's so important to keep up with journaling and and how you're going to do it. But something that's a lot of people turn to journaling when they're upset about something, when in actual fact, you should do it more when you're happy. And, you know, it should, it should, I need to just make it a habit that I do it when I'm happy as well. Um, Because I think that, you know, you go through experiences in your life, and they happen again and again. And once you write it down, you're able to cope with them better. Do you have any advice uh, to someone that wants to start journaling? What would be your main advice to make it a habit and actually go through with it every day? Sure. I mean, it probably sounds so basic, but I actually just keep my notebook on my pen beside my bed. So what I do is I'll just pick it up before I go to bed and I'll just write down a couple of lines. What I would recommend is when it starts to get a bit annoying or when you're writing or even your hand is a bit sore, just put it down and you don't need to finish it off and then just pick it up again when you want to. And I think when it stops feeling like a chore, you know, then you will just keep doing it. I'm still getting into the habit of it, but a book I actually read, um, and we'll probably speak this speak about it later, is Atomic Habits. And it's all about creating good habits in life. So I'm actively trying to journal and then make it a habit as well so that it becomes more natural. And it's the first thing I think about when something good or bad happens in my life. And I think one common thing, and it's very interesting that you said that you need to start writing things down in your journal, even when it's like happy things, because I think that's so common that we we share emotions or feelings when they're negative or like we share because like that's where we need help. Like we want to like resolve it or we want to ask a friend for advice or we want to that's the kind of when we open up and share things and I I know for like we probably all been in, been in the situation where like if someone's if you have a good friend and they they have a relationship they would you hear more about the negative parts about their partner because like that's when they need to talk to you about like what happened versus like as you said and I think that's a, a brilliant actual point that write down things when they're good as well just so that you keep that in your mindset as well and can go back and like reflect on the good good times and happy happy thoughts as well yeah definitely and I think the same thing with you know for example mindfulness or yoga we always go to those things when we're not feeling that good but it's better if we would have started them when we were feeling well because then we would already have built up that practice so it would help us when we're not feeling good so I think we have to be better at creating good habits when we're in a good place because we then we will also connect them to something positive as well if you guys have uh, had any books or podcasts or anything like that that you really want to take away from or recommend for people to read that you that you read in 2020. Yeah, so I mentioned it earlier, Atomic Habits. It's by James Clear. Um, and like, funny enough, I've read a number of different self-development books. But what I find is I get like halfway through and then I just leave it down. But this one, I honestly read it, I think within a couple of days because it just clearly spells out why we have habits, what's the psychology behind it, and why we sometimes create habits that we want to continue, but we just fall off the bandwagon. So I loved reading it. And what I would recommend to anyone before you read it is pick a habit that you either want to develop or a habit that you have that you don't like. 
Um, and then as you read it, it just becomes so easy to give up that habit when you know the psychology behind it. Um, so I absolutely love that. I would highly recommend it. Did you bring any habits into when you started reading that book that you knew that you wanted to change or add on? Yeah, so funnily enough, and you girls definitely know this, I have such a sweet tooth. I always have ever since I was young. So I started to read that book to basically understand why I have such a craving for sugar all the time um, and just why I can't stop, even though I, I know it's unhealthy. And what I learned reading that book is that, I know it sounds so basic, but you just need to read it to absorb it. But it just said that my body isn't craving sugar. My body is just craving food because as humans, we crave support and we crave food um, and security and shelter, et cetera. So while I wanted to reach for a bar of chocolate, I just actively made myself go to the kitchen, have some soup or something like that. Um, and it's just a habit that I need to get in because automatically I just open up the sweet drawer, take out something sweet. So it's just actively stopping that habit and just saying my body doesn't need that. It just needs another bowl of soup. <laughs> and I think it's so good because you say, yeah, it's pretty basic, but usually it is the basic knowledge that we're missing for some reason. We just need to understand, you know, the basics of our bodies, the basics of our heads. And then that's usually the solution for most things out there. I think it's interesting for, for myself and my learning when it comes to books uh, from last year, I actually read a study about this because I started questioning it at the end of the year because I reread all the Twilight books and I'm now rereading all the Harry Potter books. And swear to God, I have not read these books in 12 years. Like it, they've just not been anything that I crave reading. And now I read a study over the Christmas break and I'm happy to share it with, with our uh, listeners after because it basically proves that I don't remember the number, but it was like a very large trend of that these nostalgic books that we read uh, back in the day have been like bestsellers throughout the year because people are craving going back to a safety feeling of like nostalgia and kind of like that. I don't know if you would ever watch like a Pixar movie or a Disney movie just to feel good, like you feel safe because you feel like you're watching something you watched as, as a child. And I feel like that was something that just like occurred to me because I just thought that like, okay, I'm just going to reread the Twilight books. Like, I don't know where this is coming from. But apparently that was, that is one of the reasons. And like, I love doing it. It was just felt safe. I went back to it. That was like a really good understanding for me. And I, I'd love to share that article as well, because it really made me realize that I have that exact path of behavior. Sorry, that's really funny. Um, because what I noticed is everyone I talked to over Christmas, they said, oh, I'd love to just watch Harry Potter again and go through a whole saga watching them all um and i feel like that doesn't happen any other time of the year so it's just christmas being at home with your family going back to what you know from when you were younger so i definitely echo that feeling and do you have any books or podcasts or documentaries that are on your to-do list for this year now that you want to learn from so i was listening to one earlier um called the diary of a ceo um it's a uk-based podcast but it's really interesting so they interview different um CEOs across the world. Um, I was listening to Joe Wicks this morning. That was amazing. And my second recommendation would be Jay Shetty. He has a best-selling book called Think Like a Monk. And he's kind of like this like influencer monk. He's amazing, really, really inspiring. Um, but he also um, has a lot of podcasts on relationships, love, um, you know, going through difficult times in your life. So I definitely recommend um, those two as well. 
Yeah, I uh, I would love to read that one as well. I've heard amazing things about it. Um, and it's the one that I've got my eye on right now, and I actually just ordered it, is uh, one called, and I think both of you might have read this or heard of it, but it's Chris Voss' um, book called Never Split the Difference. And it's basically, it's just one of those books that I've, I've kept on her hearing great things about since I started working in sales. And I just feel like, if it's at any point I should read it, it's now. So yeah, that's that's my next read. And girls, kind of now when we spoke about habits, things we are gonna do and so on, is there anything that you're gonna try to do less of this year? But I think I, this goes in line with what I said before. I'm going to, to try and stress less and think, I'm going to try and plan less of 2021 in terms of like, there's always certain plans that you want, like career-wise and things like that. But otherwise it's more, just see how things go and then just try and keep like a positive mindset and like practice that positive mindset throughout the year. And I know that sounds very fluffy, but that is probably going to be one of my biggest goals. So yeah, that's definitely something that I'm going to focus on. So something that I definitely want to focus on, I'm sure a lot of people are the same, but I feel like I just spend so much time on my phone to the point that I actually actively delete Instagram from Monday through to Friday now, just because I feel like I'm far more productive. Um, but then just to focus more in that time on reading, journaling, listening to different podcasts, and just overall being more present. Again, I know it feels like it seems really fluffy, but I think now more than ever, when people have less distractions in life, you actually can practice this, form a habit of it, and then hopefully when we return to normality, you can still have some of these good habits as well, and we're not so absorbed in social media and that whole world. Yeah, I think less screen time is definitely like my main goal for 2021. Um, I had, I think the week before Christmas, I think my average was like four hours a day. And that was still me being at home with my family, but still I managed to have so much time for my screen. And I realized it stresses me out quite a lot. I either get FOMO by seeing people that are able to meet their friends or, you know, I see some bad news and I get a bit depressed that COVID isn't over yet. So I think the screen has had a really bad influence on me. So I'm going to try to get less screen time. And what I did now actually was that I used this kind of iPhone setting you know, that you um, make sure that your apps are being closed down at a certain time. I use that for this entire week now. And I must say that it's really working because you do feel a bit guilty when you have to, you know, like click the app and then ignore that it's like no screen time. So it is easier and then you don't get any notifications either. So that's definitely something I can recommend for people that want to try to get some less screen time. I think something as well that um, I did a couple of months ago is I turned off every single notification. So no email, no Slack, no WhatsApp, nothing. And I just feel like if you pick up your phone, there's less of a urge to click into something because there's no notification there. But if you're just checking, you just check the time, then put it away. But at the same time, it's hard. I also recognize being at home, like I have to leave my phone in a totally different room. But I think just getting into those different habits will help have less screen time, be more present and just focus on the now. No, definitely. And obviously, I guess we all have to accept that it is going to be a lot of screen time when most of your relationships are happening on the screen at the moment. Like that's the way you communicate with your best friends, your family, your colleagues, your clients. So it's very difficult to avoid. But I think, you know, the less screen time we can have, the better. What are your, I know we said we shouldn't plan too much, but what are your hopes for 2021 i'm hoping obviously 
along with the rest of the population of the world that like we will get a vaccine and life can kind of go back to normal um fairly soon i uh I feel like that's the obvious answer, uh, but I also really hope that we can look back at this and kind of like 100% learn from it. Like, I hope that people won't just keep on going. Like, if we have taken away learnings from 2020 and 20, half of 2021 or whatever it will be, I hope that like society will actually go back and take a look at like, okay, how, how do we handle this if it happens again? Like, how do we, like all of these like, I, I don't want people to like move on from this these years and, and think like, oh, they were wasted or this was terrible or I want it to be almost like, OK, like that happened. Like, how do we get out stronger? How do we? Yeah. What did we learn from that? Especially when it comes to like work environment, like everything has changed. But we, we did it like companies are thriving again. Things are like working out. And I think we wouldn't have said that they would if like someone told us how COVID was going to happen, but it didn't happen. Like people would just have been said would would have been saying that we would have not made it if that makes sense. But versus now we did it and people are stronger than they think. And I think that's a really cool thing to that I look forward to when this is over as well. Yeah, to echo what Jenny said, I feel like I'm so excited to visit friends and family and not have this worry about passing on this deadly infectious disease. I don't know if it was the same for you girls, but I felt like if I met anyone over um or the holiday period a couple of days after I was feeling really anxious about whether I potentially you know had the disease it was underlying but I definitely think that we do need to take lessons from 2020 and bring them to 2021 and beyond like I feel like there was so much care for the vulnerable people in society making sure they were catered for going out to visit them so it's that aspect of life that I really want to continue that we continue to look after the older generation and providing them with food and just looking out for them because I'm sure there's so many other elderly people in society that, you know, they're lonely, you know, and there's no one out to visit them. So that's something I definitely hope will continue. And we just, we still continue to be very caring and not so caught up and busy all the time. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with both of you girls. And I really hope that, you know, the kindness and care for one another, both you know the close family and friends but also people that we don't know that it keeps on going throughout many many years um, and especially that we realize that you know life is short and that we should value the things we have that we value to really you know speak with our grandparents to take the time to sit down with them and listen to their stories about what it was like when they were teenagers or you know like how they fell in love i really hope that we're gonna make sure that we take that time to listen to our elderly and that we take the time to check in with family and friends and you know really show the care and love for them but this has been so good, girls. I really can't wait until I'll be able to sit together with both of you in a room, whenever that's going to be. But it's gonna—it's been great just having this hour with you. Perfect. I've loved it. Thanks, Mel, girls. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day.